At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. Walking has so many benefits, everything from strengthening your bones and muscles to brightening your mood. And with a little guidance and practice, walking can even improve your nutrition. Whether you walk in urban parks, suburban neighborhoods, or forest trails, chances are that edible plants are growing along your route. Learning to find and identify them can turn a walk into a fun and nutritious treasure hunt. John Kalis is the author of a multi-volume series on edible wild plants and the owner of Wild Food Adventures, an outdoor school in Portland, Oregon, where he oversees a wide range of research and educational programming. John also has degrees in biology, zoology, education, and nutrition, not to mention a lifelong passion for wild plants. And he joins me today to talk about the art and science of foraging. Hi, John. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. So I see in your biography that you have spent times in your life where you've ex existed for long periods of time solely on the foods that you were able to forage in the wild. Um, people listening to this podcast are probably not going to be in that situation anytime soon. So I guess my first question is, why might someone who has regular access to a supermarket or a farmer's market choose to go looking for edible wild plants? Well, um, that's a great question, but first let me, um, uh, I, I want to get away from the legend of John Kalis, and that's that um, when I did a six-month vagabonding trip through Europe uh, in my youth, basically by the end of that trip, I was getting all my vegetable matter from wild foods, but I was still buying baguettes and, you know, other things that, that were local foods and stuff while I was traveling around, so Fair enough, and still rather impressive, <laughs> and good to know that that's possible, um, and uh, for a foraging expert, that's a good thing to have on your resume, but yeah, for those of us who are not relying on this, what might just be fun and educational about this project? Well, uh, yeah, again, it's, uh, I think you started saying it yourself, and that it's a, a, an amazing recreational activity for both individuals and families, if an adult is really passionate about wild foods, they can start learning about this. But if they've got kids, they could engage those kids in the same activity. So, you know, number one, I think it's a great recreational activity. 
Um, it's also a, a, an amazing way to get better connected to the earth, to nature, and to seasons. Because while having a garden will partially take you there, actually connecting with nature and getting to understand how the seasons affect what foods are there available to you gives you a much, much better connection to nature. And it's, a, it's an amazing adventure, just you know, learning and doing. Every time you learn a plant, you can act on that then. You can start incorporating that into your diet. You know, learning in itself is fun, but learning and then consuming something that's contributing to your sustenance, that's a whole amazing new adventure. I actually spend a lot of time walking, but frequently I am in my own thoughts. I am almost not aware of my environment. And I could imagine that picking this up as a hobby could really help you become so much more aware. You really open your eyes. So you're looking around, you're actually seeing the landscape that you're walking through in a, in a completely different way. Yeah, there, there's what I call the postcard view of nature versus the interactive view of nature. You know, a lot of people that know nothing about nature, but they love going, you know, to a park, you know, a national park and looking at the mountains and things like that. That's the postcard view. And the postcard view is you, you just see a nice picture and just go, oh, that's amazing, which is great in and of itself. However, if you were like a, a Native American was way back before, you know, the white man came into this country, um, you would know pretty much every plant in your environment. It's sort of like being home. It's like uh, recognizing your family. And so you never quite feel like you're alone or that you're under, uh, how do I say this? And you're in an unknown, scary environment. Now you sort of have a family around you. You're surrounded by your, your family of plants that you know. And if you know the food uses, then you actually have even less to be worried about in case you need food. Exactly. So how far do we need to travel in order to have this experience? I mean, can we forage in urban environments or maybe even in our own backyards? Yes. And in fact, you know, my yard, I just have wild gardens. I don't even, you know, plant regular plants anymore. I just turn over the soil and water. You know, what people usually weed out, uh, most of those are edible. And so I just let those grow. In fact, I weed out because I know what the sprouts look like of the non-edibles. I pluck those out early on. So just edibles are filling my garden beds. So, you know, just your own yard is an amazing place. As long as you're not like spraying the grass and, you know, it's all manicured, you're not going to have any anything to pick if it's all manicured. Uh, then your neighborhood is the next best place because other people have yards that, you know, may not be well controlled. And so there's, a, you know, as long as you know, they're not spraying, there's fallow fields in your community. There's community gardens are an amazing place to get uh, edible wild plants. You know, they're very valuable plants that, you know, people call weeds. Then beyond that, you need to think about permission because, you know, with any place where you're on somebody else's land, you've got to get permission so you know what you can pick and when and uh, what their stipulations are. So, um, you know, any city park or county park, 
rural land, if you find, you know, you're out in, in some rural area and you see a whole bunch of wild foods, make sure you know who the landowner is and ask them permission. They're usually fine with it. They don't care. You know, they're not picking this stuff. Um, and uh, farms are a great place. Green spaces, uh, city and state parks, uh, Bureau of Land Management land, Forest Service land, those all uh, have available picking in them if you just get permission. You know, I live in Baltimore, a very urban environment, and downtown, we have a lot of ginkgo trees growing that I think the city planted there for shade and for landscaping. But in the fall, there are always some savvy folks out there harvesting those ginkgo nuts, which apparently are very valuable if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fruit trees around town, uh, almost any town, uh, mostly crab apples and hawthorns that are f- free for the picking. You just, you know, walk up, knock on the door and say, hey, uh, would you mind if I gathered some of the fruit from your tree? Because, uh, you know, I know they're edible and I'm happy to give you some. But would you mind if I, you know, pick some of that fruit? And uh, almost always people are so fascinated by what you're doing that they come out and talk with you and uh, participate and you can give them some fruits. And, uh, you know, it ends up being a great uh, social situation. So in terms of getting started with this, I'm, I really can only think of a handful of native plants from other cultures that I know are edible. Dandelion greens, of course, come right to mind. Um, we all have dandelions in our yards. Uh, and I see those greens actually for sale at my local farmer's market. I know purslane is edible and that grows quite abundantly in my vegetable garden. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah. Well, I have to say when I have picked it and cooked it, I've been a little underwhelmed by the, uh, by the flavor, but um, it just kind of tastes like nothing. It's not that you know that it's edible that's important. It's that you know how it's edible. So the reason you don't like purslane is most likely because you haven't tapped into the best ways to use it for you. If you have never eaten broccoli before and it was growing as a wild plant and Mm -hmm. I fed it to you, you might not like it right off the bat. You might sense some of the pungency or some of the mild bitterness that's in there and you might go, "Eh, I'm not really liking that. Uh, And the first recipe that you use, you might get from a wild food book, which most wild food people are not chefs. And then you have a bad experience and you go, oh, I'm giving up on this because it's not really, you know, it's not doing it for me. Those are the, some of the challenges that you run across with wild foods is that, um, first of all, finding reference resources that actually where the author really knows what they're doing and they know how to prepare it for today's sensibilities. That's a challenge because there's very few authors that, that do that. That would help a lot. Now, you're not going to love every single food, but I'll bet if you really spend time experimenting, you would eventually love purslane because you would find ways that you loved it. I can imagine also with unfamiliar plants that you may not know when that particular plant is at its peak. So with the greens that I'm more familiar with, I know that when they're young, they're more tender, they're more mild, and when they get older, they can get 
tougher or bitter, but I may not be able to recognize that a dandelion green, for example, is kind of past its peak uh, from from a fresh and tender one. So I can imagine, yeah, maybe we're not getting them at peak or at the right part of their cycle or right. We just don't have the right preparation instructions to, to really get the, the most out of them. So you've inspired me to, to give purslane another shot. And I happen to know where I can get a, an inexhaustible supply right outside my kitchen window. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. So what are so dandelion greens? Everybody knows what those look like. Let's 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 not be hasty here. Dandelions and cat's ear and chicory and hawkweeds and shepherd's purse are often confused. In fact, out here in Portland, I was amazed to find that most of what everyone thinks is our dan- dandelions are actually cat's ear, which is a lookalike that grows in yards. And so dandelions are not as easily recognizable as many people think. You're, you, but the, the good thing is, is that all those other plants are not poisonous. If somebody eats a cat's ear by mistake or a chicory or a shepherd's purse, uh, you know, those are all still edible plants, but they have different characteristics. So again, that leads to people experimenting and failing and then giving up on wild foods because they don't know what they're doing. Well, I had no idea that it was so easy to confuse one thing for another. So it sounds like we really need to have some sort of field guide when we're doing foraging so that we can be more confident in what we're identifying. Yeah. And, and um, I actually prefer the idea of a user manual. Uh, I'm not a fan of field guides because they abbreviate the information too much. So if you have like on one side of a, a spread, you know, you have a book open and on the right hand side, you got a picture of a plant. And then on the left hand side, they give you all the information they can give you in one page on a plant. That's not enough. So that's why uh, first Yule Gibbons from years ago, the father of modern wild foods and, and me and my books, I devote a chapter per plant so that I'm covering all the information that you really need to know to know that plant 
in the same way than that a an elder would you know back in the old days would train a child from very young to know all the nuances of a plant how to identify it when's the appropriate stage of growth of each part because one part could have multiple edible parts on it at different stages of growth you just need to know how to identify those so i don't like field guides so much they're fun but they're not as helpful as a user manual, which is, again, what my books are. Well, the field guide, maybe one advantage is it's a little bit more compact and a little easier to take into the field. But I wonder whether these resources are becoming more available electronically. So as long as maybe you have a signal on your phone, you might be able to just ID plants with a picture or something until you can go back and consult your larger reference guide to get all of the details. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful for sure. And if you find a plant and you think you know it, then take it back home and and read up on it and study it. So are there any common and easily recognized plants or, or weeds that we might be surprised to learn are actually edible? Yeah, well, um, I can name off a bunch of plants here that are very common that are all over North America uh, abundant and people should be able to find them, you know, in their own garden competing with their, you know, lettuce and, and broccoli or growing in their yard uh, uh, along the side, along the grass or whatever. Um, and I would think of chickweed is one that's easily recognizable with just a few, you know, key traits on it. In fact, there's one, if you look at the stem of chickweed, there's a little mohawk line of hairs going up and down the stem. So the hairs don't go all the way around the stem. They just hmm. go, there's just this one line of hairs. Mm -hmm. And if you see that, you know, it's chickweed, you know, it's chickweed. I mean, and what do you do with it? Uh, it's a excellent green. I mean, you can eat it fresh. It has sort of a corn silk flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the, the upper inch and a half or so of each stem. That's uh, edible and delicious and choice at its appropriate time for collecting. Uh, you can make a whole salad out of it if you want. It's a, it's, a, it's a marvelous green. Or use it as a base of a salad where you add other things that are more, you know, have more uh, stronger characters. Um, wild spinach, which most people know as uh, lamb's quarters, is another easily identifiable plant. While its leaves look similar to a lot of other plants, on the leaves is this white powder. And this white powder is actually little tiny waxy granules that make the plant waterproof. So if you pick it and you're a little bit unsure, you can dip it in water and pull it out. It'll be totally dry. Yeah. If I had seen that white powder, I might've thought that it had a little, I don't know, fungus or powdery mildew, or maybe even that it had been sprayed. So you really have to kind of know what you're looking for. Yeah. And that's why, you know, uh, again, uh, here I am hawking my book again, but, you know, I've got close-ups of exactly what that looks like. So, you know, it's not fungus. Um, green amaranth, another, you know, excellent wild food. And Well, let me go back to wild spinach. Wild spinach or lamb's quarters is the second most nutritious leafy green ever analyzed. And green amaranth, the one I'm just starting to talk about, is like the fifth or sixth most nutritious leafy green ever analyzed. So the nutritional impact can be significant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not only fun and great recreation for your family, but it also could uh, improve your diet. Yeah. Um, so green amaranth has a little notch at the end of the leaf that, you know, helps to distinguish it from anything that might be a lookalike. 
wood sorrel is uh, what people typically think of as the shamrock. It's uh, got like three heart-shaped leaflets that are all connected at the center. And the best way to tell is to taste because nothing that looks like that is poisonous. It's just tasteless. But wood sorrel has this nice sour apple flavor. So you know immediately that you've got wood sorrel. Now, I should ask about mushrooms. I know that that can be a very valuable wild food, but is that something that is just too risky for beginners because there can be some seriously poisonous mushrooms out there? Well, any any collection of wild food, whether it be vascular plants, which is what I teach, uh, or mushrooms, which I don't teach, you need to know what you're doing before you're putting this thing in your mouth. Proper identification is very important. Now, out here in the Pacific Northwest, I myself collect maybe eight, nine, ten mushrooms that I know really well. But I'm a beginner with mushrooms. Hmm. And I don't go beyond that. There's some that are easy to identify. But even with those, you have to make sure that you've eliminated all the potential lookalikes and you know, that you look for certain identifying characteristics that, you know, sort of guarantee you've got that particular mushroom. And once you've done that, then you're pretty safe with, you know, a small set of of very common regular mushrooms. But then there's that next level where you start needing to really know what you're doing. Vascular plants, I think, are, are a little bit safer and easier to do, easier to identify. So that's, you know, that's where my focus is. But we do want to make sure that people are taking appropriate precautions and not taking unnecessary risks. But this sounds like a really fun thing, as you said, to do with kids, uh, a fun way to just get more familiar with your local environment, even a fun thing to do when you're traveling to a new part of the country. If you can identify maybe a guide like yourself in the Pacific Northwest or elsewhere in the country that can take you on a little edible foods tour. Oh, yeah. There's that funny joke about golf being a good walk spoiled. And to me, it sounds like foraging is a good walk made even better. Absolutely. You know, it does It does take some learning and effort to to get there. But, you know, if you just learn one plant a week, yeah. even one plant a month, uh, by the end of the year, you've got 12 plants that are now, you know, in your holster, basically, that you can pull out from that point on. To impress your friends or your dates. (laughs) Well, you've certainly made me curious. As soon as we wrap up this interview, I'm going right outside to see if I can find any sorrel in my lawn. I have a feeling I'm going to be successful because my lawn is not that much grass, but I want to thank you so much. I know that you uh, spend so much time on these, on your books and on your programs and on your research. So I appreciate your taking some time to introduce us, maybe just whet our appetite for the edible, edible wild foods and foraging. And I want to encourage everyone to uh, check out John's website at wildfoodadventures.com where his books, not field guides, books are available and other educational programming and any other resources that you might like to share for people in different parts of the country if they want to get into this where's their next step well um the first thing is again if you can find somebody that can show you these plants in person and then uh as you take a few of these classes and stuff then it's much easier to go to the books 
and and start learning from there, you know, because you've got some kind of a confidence base uh, to work from. The internet is a hodgepodge of good and bad information. And so the key thing is if you find any source, make sure they're not a beginner. But of course, there's no professional certification or association or credential that we can look for? Um, no, there isn't. Uh, it's just long, long experience. You know, so look for people that have been doing this for a long time. It's part of their job, maybe. Uh, you know, they've taught lots of classes or they've got an immense library of, of papers that they've published. I would go to those places, not just, you know, well, I'm trying pokeweed for the first time. You know, no, don't go to those. Well, thank you. That's all great advice. Thanks again for joining me on the Nutrition Diva podcast. Well, you're welcome. The Nutrition Diva podcast is edited by Beata Centora, produced by Nathan Sems, and our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, Claire Freeman, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts in the Quick and Dirty Tips network, including the newest addition to our lineup, Project Parenthood, hosted by Dr. Nanika Kaur. You'll find all of the Quick and Dirty podcasts on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. Have a great week, and remember to eat something good for me. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America, NMLS 407249, equal housing lender, loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.